All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Hammer Time 1987 podcast, the podcast where all we do is win, and today we're doing more winning. I'm joined by very special guest, Jen Zapla, the very lovely and talented Toastmaster. Jen, welcome to the show. Hello, thanks for having me. You're very welcome. All right, Jen, so to introduce yourself to our listeners, I have a couple of questions here that require a rapid response, some word association. So I'll give you some questions, some terms, and you can... No. Oh, sorry, that wasn't one. <laughs> no. Tell me, uh, tell me what you think. So are you ready to get into this? I am. All right, Jen, what do you think of oatmeal cookies? Bad. Fair enough. Uh, what's your biggest celebrity crush? None. <laughs> biggest pet peeve? Whatever annoyed me that day, uh, drive probably driving related, right? Driving, you honk the horn a lot? No, I never honk the horn. I just yell. <laughs> All right. How about your favorite movie? These questions would be easy to a normal person. Again, I like really bad movies. Maybe my most recent favorite movie would be like Dallin Tucker versus Evil. Okay. I don't, can't say I've seen that one, but. Uh... Well, you're really missing out. <laughs> All right. How about this last one? Three words to describe living in Buffalo. Snow. Uh, nature. Food. All right. That sums it up, yeah. I'll take it. All right, cool. Very good. All right, Jen. So we're going to talk about a couple of different topics. Let's dive into the first one. We are doing this podcast in the middle of a quarantine lockdown. So uh, when you first heard about all this stuff, were you surprised uh, how long it's last and, and kind of how everything has progressed? You know, initially, I had been following this before most people were, partially because I was traveling in February, and I was not surprised that we were going into quarantine because we'd seen several countries do it ahead of us. I don't think I quite understood the ramifications of what that would mean in my life, how long it went on, for one thing, and I know although the state has started reopening where we are, Adam, my organization for one is not looking to move forward quickly on returning people to the office. And I anticipate that all of us will be working from home in the future, at least on a part-time basis, indefinitely. Yeah, that's, um, well, how do you feel about that? It's good and bad, you know? There's some things I like about it. The days when I'm really busy, I get more done because there's no distractions. And the days when I'm not busy, I get nothing done because I am at my house. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it seems like a lot of discipline is required if you're going to work from home. It seems like you could easily get into Netflix and get up late and snack and just... It's, it's hard to maintain the discipline for sure. I think that, like I said, if, you, if I have a lot of tasks that need to be accomplished on that date or by that time, then I'm much, I get more done. 
when that's not the case and I have time and I could do something, but it's not necessary, I'm not really doing that extra stuff that I would have been doing in the office when I had those times. Right. How about you've had, you mentioned time. We've all had new, you know, more time, any new hobbies, new uh, uh, things that you've discovered in this quarantine? Yeah, I would say there have been a couple of things. I spent some time feng shuiing my house, trying to get everything where I wanted it. Um, you know, I'd like to take up new hobbies. So dating is always fun. So can see my pan right here, my lamp boyfriend, <laughs> uh, which I set up as a, as a joke, but I started making these little YouTube videos of the adventures of me and Lampy. <laughs> wow, that's, that's different, creative. Yeah, just something fun and interesting to do, really just to get people to laugh and have fun with it. Yeah. I started a hiking challenge recently there's okay. a Western New York, I think it's Outside Chronicles, Western New York Hiking Challenge, and it's a list of all these different hikes in the area. I found I've been outside walking a lot more than I have in the past, just because I have time and getting out of my house, especially now, like I need to get out of my house if I'm going to be in my house all day. Yeah, interesting. Uh, any hiking uh, trails? Are you here in Amherst? Are you in Buffalo? or I'm in Tonawanda. Oh, Tonawanda. Any trails in Tonawanda? There's nothing too, too interesting in Tonawanda, I wouldn't say. Most of the trails are spread out throughout the area. So there's some in the South Towns or some, you know, up toward Niagara Falls. There are some out in Allegheny and out in um, Letchworth. So they're all over the area. Some are pretty close by, you know, 10, 15 minutes, but nothing right in Tonawanda. Yeah. All right. Last uh, question on this one before we move on do you feel comfortable now going out in the public going to a restaurant are you going to be uh, leaving your house or are you more of no i'm staying in here until we uh, have better treatments and stuff you know it's not that i am necessarily afraid to go out or to get sick i just don't actually want to anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so I've gone out, like I had drinks with a friend a week or two ago when they first reopened the patios. I'm not necessarily in a rush to do it all the time. I wouldn't mind doing it again. I don't particularly want to be in a giant crowd, partially because it's overwhelming. I, I was walking the other day and there hadn't been as many cars on the road and suddenly there were more cars on the road because everything's reopening and I was getting a little anxiety over being around all the people, like having all these cars drive by. So I'm enjoying the solitude quite a lot. Yeah. A lot of people have been saying that. They're like, what are we going to do if we actually have to go back to work and we have to be social again and I have to do things? Like, <laughs> how's that going to work? So yeah. I'm not alone in that regard. Definitely. Um, all right. So you mentioned that you were traveling in February. I think you were in India. Is that right? I was, yes. So why India? Back in November, one of my coworkers at lunch announced her engagement and said that she was getting married. She is from India and she was returning to India to get married. 
and she told us all that we were invited. And I, I was like, wait, I'm sorry, are you, I can really come to your wedding in like February. It was a few months away. It wasn't even six months. I didn't have much time. And I said, I need to know if you're serious because I'm going to book a trip if you are. I thought to myself, I've never been invited to a wedding in India and I'm certainly going to go. I didn't want to pass up the opportunity. It may never happen again. And considering everything that has happened, I feel like it was a wise choice. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, uh, you know, who knows if you'll even go back to India in your lifetime. So a good decision there. Okay, so this Indian wedding, um, I'm sure there's enormous differences. What were some of the things that just popped out to you as being different? Everything about it. So <laughs> her wedding, from what I was led to understand, was actually quite simple. I attended three of the wedding events, the Mendy ceremony, the Haldi ceremony, and the wedding itself. So it was three separate days, three separate events, which is a lot different than in the U.S. I, she also had an engagement ceremony, which I wasn't in town for because they've spread them out a bit for family and everybody to be able to get to. It's a lot in one week. <laughs> um, and her, again, her wedding was pretty simple. So there were only like six or 700 people there. <laughs> it was very different because, and I think depending on the particular area or region that a person's from, and also depending on their religion and other beliefs, Obviously, it would be different. It wouldn't be the same for every single person in India. But her wedding, it's in a big room, and you're all there. And normally, you know, you're used to like a churchy kind of wedding where everybody sits and watches the proceedings. And it was not like that. People were just kind of milling about, talking to one another. Like, things were happening for like a very long time on a stage sort of thing no idea what was happening. It was very like ritualistic, ceremonial type of things like passing a bowl and I don't know, hand tying and jumping and I don't know what else was happening. Lots of things. They all are meant to represent something. I only understood some parts of what they were meant to represent. I'm sure I missed quite a lot in terms of the, the meaning behind everything. And then afterward, the couple goes and changes into another outfit and everybody goes to eat. So it was a buffet style food reception, but there aren't tables for everyone. Oh, <laughs> so okay, people just, just didn't like you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, there's no assigned seating. People just kind of go in and they eat and then they leave and they, they, people are meant to come and go. So come into the, watch some of the wedding and then go into eat some food and go back and forth. It's a bit different than we're used to. Now at this wedding, where did you have, or were you expected to wear kind of the traditional garb? I'm assuming they have some type of customs or were you just dressed in normal American clothes? I did get an outfit while I was there to wear to the wedding. I'm forgetting the name of what it's called, but I didn't get, I didn't get, um, the most traditional things just because as a woman they need to be wrapped in very specific ways and I was uncomfortable relying on my skills or lack thereof to wrap said things in a way that they would stay on completely. 
I see. Interesting. All right. Well, before you went to that wedding, you had to get to India and that scares the hell out of me because that means that's a long plane ride. So uh, did you fly to Toronto, New York? I mean, how, how did that all work out? I flew out of New York. My aunt actually went with me to this wedding. I, I, as a woman, I don't particularly like traveling alone to certain locations and that was one of them. So I did bring a friend and we had guides and things along the way as well, but especially in a country where I don't speak the language and don't have someone there interpreting for me, I needed to have a little bit more support. So she came with me. We met in New York or Boston. I can't remember and flew out of there. So it ends up being at least 24 hours of travel. You got to definitely put on your, your big boy pants there. You don't like, you can't handle that. You're not going to go. But the flight itself wasn't terrible. We actually had a, the flight there was better than the flight back because it wasn't full. Uh. So we had a whole row to ourselves and that was nice. You just watch movies, hang out. I thought I would be very jet lagged when I got there and I wasn't, I really wasn't jet lagged at all. I wouldn't say, I think it's because it's like a whole day. You lost a whole day. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Something about it was easier. Yeah, man, 24 hours. Well, kudos to you for doing that. Um, I'm not sure that I could handle that, but all right, India itself, uh, let's first start with this. I'm sure it was really hot there, right? It wasn't that hot at that time of year, maybe in the 80s, nothing crazy. You're like you're expecting Florida weather or something. It got a little bit warmer the further south we went, because okay. we traveled to a couple different locations, um, but it wasn't terrible. Okay. Uh, in in uh, UB Westwind and even some other clubs, I think, in the area, I, I we've had a lot of uh, members from India. I think Toastmasters has a big presence over in India. and when I was speaking to, to, to them, they told me if I went to India, the biggest thing that I would notice is the different smells and aromas that were <laughs> uh, in, the, uh, in the country from cooking and just from the congestion, all those things. So did you notice that? I mean, was that something that you picked up on? I wouldn't say that was my number one thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I would say a couple of things were very evident the noise level was the biggest one it is very overwhelming in fact i I told someone that the pandemic is completely my fault because while i was in india i said all i want is to come home and just be left alone and have some peace and quiet (laughs) you're (laughs) the first one oh man jen (laughs) and i have been in quarantine since or not quarantine but in you know isolation i guess since interesting Yeah. Uh, so the so the noise and um, anything that you um, you didn't like there. I mean, maybe the noise is something you didn't like, but there was was there something that was just like, boy, I'm really not digging this. It was kind of a uh, you know double edged thing. So one thing actually that was fun was as a white person, you're kind of like a celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> which I wasn't expecting at all, but I felt like there were paparazzi everywhere because people would always stop and ask if they could take a picture with you. They were like, hey, can I take a picture with you? And it was fun. If The first time it happened, I wasn't sure what was happening and I was a little concerned about it. But after that, I got more used to it. And it was different. It was, it was 
funny and hilarious. In terms of things I didn't like, in certain parts of the country, particularly Delhi, which is the first place that we went to, it's a very big city, it's very overcrowded, and it sounds weird to say this, but I was just surprised by the number of men we saw. It wasn't, we, especially in the evenings, there were just no women. So you would go out on an, in an evening and say you would see like a thousand people and 900 of those people would be men. And it felt different. When, if you've ever found yourself in a group where you were the only person of whatever characteristic you are, that can be a little uncomfortable. And it was in that particular setting at a few different points. Interesting. Yeah, that that doesn't sound like my cup of tea either being in a group of 900 men. But <laughs> um, uh, That's interesting because I wonder, I mean, that has to be cultural. I don't know why that is. Um, I know in certain Muslim countries it's like that. But uh, anyway, I'll have to investigate that. That's that's different. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't expecting it. And it was not like that everywhere. When we were in Mumbai, Mumbai was very much more westernized, so had a lot more similarities and I didn't have that feeling, you know, especially as a woman, like being out in an area like that where you are the only woman, you're very hyper aware of, of that scenario. And you know how much you stand out when you're the only white person for miles. <laughs> uh, so you definitely are on your guard a little bit more and people stare. That's another thing. Like I think culturally it's rude to stare in the US, but people in India, it's not a rude thing to stare. So everybody's staring at you. Uh -huh. I wouldn't like that either. <laughs> wow. Okay. All right. Well, um, hey, you had that experience, so that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, all right. How about we uh, get into our last topic here, which is Toastmasters. That's where uh, you and I first met, organization helping people work on their public speaking skills. So when did you first join Toastmasters, and what was the catalyst for that? Why did you join? I joined Toastmasters maybe eight years ago. I want to say around eight years ago. And I joined as a way to basically meet people, just get more involved in an organization, in the community. I was looking for different hobbies and things to do with my free time. Okay. And was it, uh, was it through a work thing or you just Googled it and I just Googled it. At the time, the club that I first met with actually met upstairs where in the building that I worked in. So I knew that they existed. Mm -hmm. And one of my aunts has been a longtime Toastmasters member. So I was aware of what the organization did. And I am one of those weirdos who enjoys public speaking. <laughs> so, so I was like, oh, that's kind of sounds like fun. I can just sit around and talk. <laughs> yeah there's a lot of people who think we're totally nuts for for doing what we do in toastmasters uh you've won a whole bunch of awards you've really been up and down the organization what were some of your favorite speeches to give or speech topics that you remember that you said yeah i really really like that speech i think one of my favorite speeches that i ever gave and the topic is not very interesting at all it was about the club it was at Amherst, or sorry, not at Amherst, at Amlockport, and it was 
one of the like accepting an award kind of speeches or some, I don't think it was accepting an award, but something of that nature. And what I liked about it, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, Adam, but it was the first time it had ever happened to me and it has not happened many times since. It was the first time that I was giving a speech and I could feel all of the energy in the room change. And I felt so connected to that speech and I felt so connected to all the audience members. One of the interesting things about that club is the standard setup, not the Zoom setup, of course, is a bunch of booths. None of them are facing one another. And so normally when you're giving a speech, you're talking to a bunch of people eating their breakfast. <laughs> no one's facing you. It's a different, challenging environment to speak in. And at this particular moment, I could see every face looking at me and I felt like I had all of this engagement. It was about the club specifically and I addressed every member in the club about something positive that they had done. And that was hard too, going around the room with 20 or 30 people and saying a thing about each one of them. And then having that engagement from the audience, it was really powerful and it made me understand that there's a different level to speaking that I'm not quite at, but I, I know what it is. Yeah, it's a great story. And it's, it's all about that audience connection and knowing your audience. And I'm sure you've been on the other side of it too, where you give a speech and it doesn't seem like people are paying attention. So that's, um, that can be tough. Um, yeah, I definitely had speeches where suddenly in the middle of it, I was like, what is the point of this? Why am I doing this? And you, you start to panic and second guess yourself and it's hard to get back on track. There's different levels for sure. Yeah. Now for people listening, um, they might say, well, listen, you know, it's great, Jen, that, that you can be confident, but I'm not confident. There's no way I can do it. I'm terrified. Uh, what advice would you give to those people on how to get out of that comfort zone, get out of that fear and, and kind of start? I think just do it. Even the people like me who went in thinking, oh, like I like doing this and I'm just going to do it for fun. I don't think you have any idea what you can possibly get out of being in Toastmasters until you've experienced it. And even if speaking isn't your favorite thing to do, I would actually say one of the skills that I feel I've improved the most at in Toastmasters is evaluations. And that's something that regardless of who you are, you know, you could be, you could be a stay-at-home mom, you can be in a corporate environment, the ability to give feedback and to do it in an effective manner is a skill that is unparalleled. Yeah, I agree entirely. I think if you ask most people in Toastmasters, they tell you evaluations are the hardest thing to do, especially when it's just so quick right after a speech, like, ah, um, so, yeah, you're right. It, those are great skills to have. Um, we're just about wrapping up here. Uh, Jen, anything you want to leave our audience with in terms of what we've talked about or perhaps any advice that you can give about life or Toastmasters? Well, I would say... Whenever you have an opportunity to go to your friend's wedding in India, <laughs> you should definitely take it because you'll never know if the next six months of your life will be spent at home, not going anywhere. And you'll be glad for all of those fun 
memories. Yep. Yep. Cool. Well said. Well, uh, we're going to be signing off and uh, Jen, I'm assuming you're not going to be having any oatmeal cookies tonight. No, I'm not having any oatmeal cookies. I think, uh, I think Lampy and I are going <laughs> to, we're going to go and get a, a and no pizza either. No nope. pizza. Oh yeah. I don't like pizza. Bad. Terrible. So, all right. So we've got it. Well, I don't want to, well, it's not really a negative note, but it's a fascinating note because there's very few people who would say they don't like pizza. So what's the deal now? You don't like the sauce, the cheese, the toppings? Overall, I like bread and overall I like cheese. I'm incredibly picky about sauce, but something about the combination just doesn't do it for me. It just makes me feel gross when I eat it. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it, a lot of people like it, but you know, it's not the healthiest thing in the world. So at least in, in that regards, you save on that by not eating it. So. Yeah. Is it your favorite food, Adam? <laughs> it's, it's, I like it, but it's not my favorite actually. So. All right. But I do like oatmeal cookies. So I guess we'll have to disagree on that one. Do they have chocolate chips or raisins? I can do both. I'm assuming, don't tell me, I'm assuming you like the ones with chocolate chips in them. I knew it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right. Well, Jen, thanks for coming on the show. We'll have to do it again. And uh, you have a wonderful day. Yeah. Thanks for having me. You too. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.